Hey friends, Steve Leans, as always your host. Welcome to This Good Word. This is part three of a three-part series I'm doing on evolving faith. And I attended Evolving Faith, the conference, which was in early October 2019 in Denver, Colorado. And there was about 2,500 other people there. And the express purpose of this gathering was for uh, to create a space for people to express um, their longings and questions and desires as it relates to how their own faith seems to be shifting and evolving, and also how faith in general, in culture, seems to be undergoing this radical shift, which can be destabilizing. It can, um, you know, it, it can create conflicts in churches and families. When certain people start to think different thoughts, other people feel threatened. And if there isn't an environment where we can explore some of these things in a safe place, then <clears throat> it can really get painful for all involved. So this, this three-part series is basically my thoughts and reflections on what happened at Evolving Faith and also my own thoughts and reflections on the reality of this faith shift that we're, many of us are seeing and experiencing and that I believe is very real within the world right now. I don't think it's just one of these, um, you know, generational, every generation goes through this. I, I, I don't think that's true. I think this is a, um, this is a, a seismic global once in every 500 year kind of shift. And if you want to read more about that, you can certainly read Phyllis Tickle's work. Uh, you can read some of Brian McLaren's work, but it's becoming more and more of just an understood reality that um, how we react to each other, how we experience faith and how we move toward God is really, really changing. And so we can either get extremely threatened by that or we can name it and move into it and see what happens. And that is the stance of evolving faith, this conference, but also I would say that's my stance. Certainly there's, I can give in to fear, I can give in to cynicism, uh, but I want to continue to choose hope and to, and the way I know how to hope is to name reality for what it actually is as clearly as I can see it, which is not crystal clear at all. And then to be ruthlessly honest about all the questions and wonderings that we have in this new reality, all the ways that we feel like we've uh, lost our footing and are looking for a new way, a new place to stand. And then how to start creating something, some new foundation, how to reconstruct something. I think deconstruction is so needed and healthy. I also think after a while, if we don't, well, let me say it this way. All of us will begin to reconstruct something, whether we call it that or not. And if we're intentional about how we recreate it, uh, that will uh, really make a big difference in terms of whether it's a safe place to stand in the future. For example, if what you recreate or reconstruct even unintentionally is built with the bricks of fear, cynicism, and othering, then you will, um, you will be trapped in a very unsatisfying way of being. And I say that, 
I think you can be very progressive or very conservative, very fundamental or very expand, you know, or very progressive. Either way, you can build, you can reconstruct something based out of cynicism and fear. So it has nothing to do with sort of what you believe. It has everything to do with how you believe what you believe. Okay, so, um, and essentially, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast at all, or listening to my words or reading my books at all, that's fundamentally what I'm talking about all the time. How we believe, how we express our real honest reality is actually much more interesting and helpful in terms of what we want to focus on versus simply what we believe, right? Okay, so in this part three, and again, and, and this is going to be a pretty quick episode, actually, um, because I've done three in a week, and <laughs> that is probably too much. But I want to give three final thoughts um, based on this idea of evolving faith and also just the conference itself. And thought number one is this. There is an undeniable radical shift at least in how evangelicals are understanding faith. I think it's bigger than that, but my home base for so long has been evangelicalism. And that's my observation is that um, the somewhat new, it really is historically, evangelicalism is only anywhere between 150 and 200 years old. It's a very new historical phenomenon. It would make complete sense if it had a beginning, a middle, and then an end. I, I actually think it's it's near the end as it currently sits. Now, that doesn't mean that evangelicals or those who used to call themselves evangelicals or though that's, those that still call themselves evangelicals will all you know somehow stop believing. But I do think that how we understand the Bible, God, community, church, salvation... <laughs> And even the state of eternity, heaven and hell, all of those realities in terms of what we believe and how we believe them are shifting. And so this, this movement, this, this tribe of people called evangelicals and evangelicalism um, is splintering apart, actually. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to, in, interesting to see how it gets all put back together. And I think there's a number of uh, reasons for that. I think we're seeing some people doubling down on uh, the, some of the ideas of evangelicalism. And some of those things are good. Um, I would say that the curators and the speakers of evolving faith are doubling down on certain aspects of evangelicalism. And I don't even know if they would agree with me on that. And I, it doesn't matter totally. I think when I say what I'm about to say, they would agree with this, is that there, it, there was such a stark uh, reality at the conference. Every speaker was so Jesus-centered and so Bible-centered, like to the point where it, it, it was delightful for me actually to see them sort of, you know, breaking open the scriptures and doubling down on Jesus to highlight how important inclusion is because that's the story of Jesus and that's the story of the scriptures, right? Is the inclusion 
of the outsider and God's endless pursuit of releasing the captives and confronting those who hold them in captivity. Like that, and so this this fundamental idea of even evangelicalism, where it's sort of Jesus-centered and Bible-centered or word-centered, we're going to see people on all sides doubling down on that, but with different messages. And that's what's so fascinating. It's like it's the 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 shape of the faith that's evolving. Uh, certain people, I think, assume that it means an abandonment of Christ or the scriptures and an abandonment of taking them seriously, an abandonment of, you know, and so it's like, well, well, then that's heresy. And I, I'm just finding the exact opposite. And so, um, so that's what I mean when I say how we believe what we believe uh, is going to shape this future shift. Okay, so there is an undeniable radical shift in how at least evangelicals, but I think far further, are understanding faith. Um, and we are going to have different expressions of some of the similar things that brought evangelicalism into a ne- a, probably a necessary um, cultural, like into the culture in 200 years ago, there was a necessary shift towards some of the things that evangelicalism adopted. Now we're seeing some of the same needs, oh my gosh, but expressed in so so different ways. Um, like an understanding of the Bible, how we under how we read the Bible and how we understand the Bible will continue to shift. And that is one of the biggest changes. Some people have said, that there will be a civil war <laughs> within Christianity, and it's going to be around how we read the Bible. And maybe one group will say it's to be read, you know, and I somewhat literally, and it just it, it says it, so I believe it. Um, other people will say it is a it is a it is God's word. And we are not meant to read every word of it as if it's a prescription for how we should live. We're, it's, it's meant to be a story of God's continual work of redeeming people from slavery, captivity, oppression. But it's going to be read with a much more r- rooted in the reality of humanity here and now. Where is oppression, captivity, and slavery taking place? Like, with actual human beings, with actual empires, religions, governments, and who's actually being held captive, and how is God actually working to free them? I think maybe in the last 200 years, there's been perhaps an overemphasis on those realities, but in a in an eternal and sort of theological framework about only our sin. So captivity, slavery, um, oppression in terms of just sin in general. And so God is always working to free people from those things. And, and, and that's been the message that that's been the gospel that evangelicals have preached. I think that's going to continue to be preached, but it's just going to be expanded into heaven starts now and hell starts now. It, 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 life is now and how you're living now, um, and what you're doing now is, 
the like you are already living your eternity now and whatever you're living now will continue into eternity boy that was a mouthful uh, we're still on point number one there's an undeniable radical shift in how evangelicals are understanding their faith not just what and then number two um, i believe this this is a second final thought there will continue to be a growing need for courageous leaders to create safe places for people to explore their faith. There will continue to be a growing need for courageous leaders to create safe spaces for people to explore their faith. Um, again, 2,500 people attended this event called Evolving Faith in Denver. Uh, that's a lot of people. And this is only the second year that this conference has even been uh, in existence. It started a year a year ago in North Carolina with about 1,100 people. Year number two, 2,500 people. Year number three in 2020 will be um, in October in Houston, Texas. And it'll be pretty fascinating if you, you know, it'll be about a month before the United States uh, presidential election. So that might be an interesting conference to go to. Who knows how many people will be there. But I think there will, be, there will continue to be a growing need for courageous leader, leaders to create safe spaces for people to explore their faith. I am talking to more people. And so I, I, like, I mean conferences for sure, but conversations, little Bible studies, churches that are explicit about this is a place where we uh, can explore the expansive God who is endlessly knowable, and we're not afraid of conversations that may push at sacred cows. We're not afraid to really, really listen to each other, even if we don't agree. We're not afraid to um, push the envelope, you know, as far as what we've always believed. And we're not afraid to really press in to Jesus and the Bible. Like, we're not going to abandon those things as we continue to create safe spaces for people to explore the radical shift. My, my belief is that is, 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 is actually not that people, um, I mean, certainly, I think people are absolutely sick of, done with a kind of Bible that's just a, basically the Pope, you know, that whatever it says absolutely goes unquestioned no matter what. Because they see that we've, you know, there's so many things in it that so many people have already abandoned, um, and it's been it's been weaponized. The Bible's been weaponized to hurt people, and that's undeniable. That's true. It's happened, and so um, you know, there's a tendency to believe, well, we got to just give it up or absolutely look at it like a, you know, like just just another book. And I I, I don't think that that's what we need actually. I think we need courageous leaders who are willing, like uh, Sarah Bessie, Jeff Chu, and others at Evolving Faith, who are willing to really, really go deeply into Jesus the Christ and the Bible as um, this mysterious collection of stories and um and examples of people who wrestled with God over and over again, and who didn't have the answers but said yes anyway, whose faith was marked 
by a courageous yes to walk in a new direction, even though they had no guarantee of how that would go. Um, these are the kind of leaders we need right now. And let me let me talk to you just very personally for a second. I have been a faith leader for, um, well, I've been a full-time pastor for over 24 years. I've been a faith leader for 27 years. And I would... I would say that at least in my lifetime, as I talk to other faith leaders, as I listen to my own soul, um, it is unbelievably hard right now to be a courageous faith leader that creates space. The amount of people who have been hurt by other faith leaders, churches, Christians mean that when people have the courage to either step inside your environment, if you're a faith leader of any kind, maybe you lead a little 12-step spiritual um, community, maybe you lead a church, maybe you lead a nonprofit, maybe you lead something that that is around, you know, you are a faith leader and you create space for people to come and, and in some ways connect with God, worship God, follow Jesus, uh, etc., and of course, I'm, I'm right now speaking directly to Christian faith leaders, of course, because I don't want to speak for other faith leaders of other faiths. I, I don't. Um, there's thoughts I have about that, but I, I, I just I just don't want to speak with any authority toward that. Uh, it, it is people are and, and, and because of that pain, when people enter the space that you've created, there's so many expectations that are on you to not hurt them the way other people have hurt them to be like to um, care about the kinds of things that they care about but somehow intuitively you need to just know that um i think to you have right now to be a courageous faith leader in this day and age you have to have a kind of patience with with yourself but with people because some people may for a season, find great, great hope in the thing that you're offering. And then for what will seem like maybe no reason at all, though there are reasons, but to you as the faith leader who's trying to create these spaces, they will leave and you won't know why. <laughs> you'll think you did something wrong. You think you'll, you'll, you'll think you failed them. You'll, you'll, you'll think, wow, well, the, you know, six months ago, they were like my biggest cheerleader, not my biggest cheerleader, but like they were so into this movement and now they've stepped away. And um, listen, there just are so many reasons why people step away right now. It could be a tweet that Jerry Falwell Jr. sends out about Christianity that that takes one of those people just out and to say, I can't do it anymore. I can't be involved in any kind of institutional Christianity at all. And so um, the kind of courage you will need to be a faith leader in this day and age I think will require some things of you that I just don't even have time to get into right now on the podcast. But, but I will say this, and, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, I'm trying to figure all this out in real time. I'm experiencing all the things that I just said in real time. I lead a little church, you know, it's about 150, 200 people. Um, and we have tons of problems and people coming and going and, and um, missed expectations and all kinds of stuff. So I am I am really speaking from the raw edge of experience here. 
But if you're a faith leader and you're resonating with anything that I'm saying, and you'd like to maybe take a next step of like processing with some other people that maybe are going through the same thing that you are, would you please send me an email? Uh, Steve at steveweens.com. W-I-E-N-S. So just send me an email, steve at stevebeans.com, and just say, faith leader who's struggling, and I'll, and I'll take it from there. I'm not promising anything. I'm just saying I think there's a need for faith leaders who are in this boat to not be alone. Okay? Uh, third final thought is that we will need to discern what to bring with us and what to leave behind in this evolving faith shift. At Evolving Faith, C.C. Jones Davis, this black preacher woman, brought this word. And I mean, and her sermon, I mean, it was a sermon. I mean, have no doubt about it. And if you can live stream it, live stream it. If you can listen to it, listen to it. Maybe she's preached it somewhere else. But C.C. Jones Davis, I'll put it in the show notes, at least her name, how to follow her. She, she preached a sermon called Remember the Refrain. And it came from Exodus chapter 15. And so um, the story of God's people at this point is that they've been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. God has called Moses, an unlikely leader who is a murderer and a failure, to go back into Egypt and and rescue God's people and send God's people out or lead God's people out. And so he, he does that and they cross the Red Sea and, you know, what is that? Is that real? Is that a miracle? Who knows? On one level, who cares? Uh, and I know that's going to bug some of you, but other people don't. I, there, there's a literal reality in the Bible, and there's a there's a bigger metaphorical reality. So God did the impossible. God led God's people out of slavery. And then um, Moses sings the song in the beginning of Exodus 15. And, it's, and as C.C. Jones Davis was preaching this, it was like, she's like, it was a powerful song. It was an amazing song. There was so many good things in it. And then she paused. And, and I mean, she's a preacher and she's so good. Um, but she goes, but it was a long song. <laughs> and she goes, and P.S., I don't know if it's coming through, um, but I am in my office in downtown Robbinsdale, Minnesota, and there's a car alarm going off. So if that's coming through, sorry. Anyway, maybe it's not. Um, but she, she said this song that Moses sings is a long song. And, and she goes, this is a people on the move, right? They're entering the wilderness. They're leaving the, the promised land. It, it, it is a moment to recognize what God has done. But she goes, he used too many words. <laughs> I've just never thought that before. It's like so funny. But um, but then she goes in verse 20 of Exodus 15, Miriam, uh, Aaron's sister, she takes a tambourine or a timbrel in her hand. This is after the big song. So the prophet, and that's the other thing, Miriam, the woman in Exodus is called a prophet. Come on, baby. So Aaron's sister Miriam takes a tambourine in her hand. And then all the women went out with her, with their tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them this short refrain. And so C.C. Jones Davis, her, the title of her talk was Remember the Refrain. And she's like, Miriam knew something Moses didn't. And that was, 
a, a, a people on the move need something short so they can remember in times when times get tough again. Like Moses, now there's you know 17 verses and, and hundreds of words. Miriam sings this, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. So there's singing, there's dancing, there's grabbing the tambourine or the timbrel. And there's this message of like, like it, it looked dark, but God redeemed us. We were enslaved, but God rescued us. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea. Violent image for sure. But it's saying that the empire that is oppressing you in this day and age, remember she's a prophet, so she's going to speak to not just this culture, but all cultures. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he's thrown into the sea. That's essentially saying empires will rise and oppress people and they will fall because the Lord triumphs gloriously. At the end of the day, the story of God rescuing those who empire oppresses will continue unabated until all things are made new. And friends, I think that's what we need to hold on to. Remember the refrain. Empires will rise and empires will fall. Empires will look like they're winning. Empires will look like they, and empires can be Rome, can be the United States, can even be evangelicalism. Folks, anything can turn into an empire. When it uses power, and especially when it uses religion as a way to fortify one's own power, when that oppresses people, it will look like it's winning. It will look like it's never going to end. But the song of Miriam the prophet and my firm belief is that the story of God in the Bible and, and the fundamental embodiment of Jesus, of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, is empires will rise and empires will fall. But God will redeem those who are oppressed. Horse and rider, he's thrown into the sea. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. And so C.C. Jones Davis, I mean, again, preacher, come on, sister, preach. She said, in the midst of craziness of leaving Egypt, Miriam, she left a lot of things, I'm sure, but she didn't leave her timbrel. She didn't leave her tambourine. And so the question for you, for me, for all of us is like, what? Yeah. Remember the refrain, like what, what? And that's the empires rise, empires fall. God will redeem oppressed people. That's the story. Uh, but what do we need? Like, what is going to, what do we need to bring with us into this new reality that will help us sing that song? Like, there's the words of the song, there's the believing in the song, and then it's like there's the there's the tambourine like that helps us sing it. So, and for me, it's like whether you like tambourines or not, like who cares? 
But what is that thing that keeps the beat, that keeps the rhythm, that keeps you marching, keeps you dancing? What's the thing? And I don't want to be too quick to say what the thing is, to be honest. I think we need to discern that. What's the thing that helps us keep the rhythm? Anyway, thank you, C.C. Jones Davis. Incredible. And hey, folks, this didn't turn out to be short. I always say that. I've I've recognized. (laughs) I I have done that before. I've said, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to press record and we're going to go about 10 minutes because that's all the time we have. And then I go 30. I mean, so sorry, not sorry. I don't know. I guess I had some more things to say. Uh, Coming up next in the next weeks, I've I've interviewed three other people that are going to be coming up in the next weeks. David Fitch, he wrote a book called The Church of Us Versus Them. Unbelievably helpful. I'm going to release that next week. That's our, it's going to be a good follow-up, I think, to the Evolving Faith series, because he's going to really talk about how the church needs to resist othering each other, but also other people. And he's got a really fascinating, I think, philosophical understanding of what's happening in the world. So that's coming next. I also interviewed this woman named Melissa Johnson, who's doing so, such good work on body image. And so she's writing this blog and doing this podcast called Impossible Beauty. So we talked all about that. We had a fascinating conversation. And then I interviewed uh, this woman from Canada, from Calgary, named Jennifer Don Watts. And I'm, I'm telling you, she like she is a therapist, but she's also, she planted these churches that are 12-step communities. And she is just, just one of the most fascinating people that I have met in a long, long time. And uh, so our, our conversation was rambly and fun because there's just this energy and connection that we had. Uh, we actually um, met together in, in real life. That happens rarely, you know, when you sort of meet people on Twitter, maybe you even interview them. Um, but it's rare to meet them. So we actually spent a little time together at Evolving Faith and it was just super fun because I think we just were thinking some of the same thoughts and we laughed a lot. And so you're going to hear a lot of that too. So the next three weeks are going to be packed with fun. I also, um, packed with fun. That was a, that was like a throwaway phrase. I don't even know what I meant by that. The next few weeks are going to be really interesting in the very best of ways, I think here on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. And, um, I think that's all. That's all. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to stay in touch via with me via Twitter. You know, just one of the best ways to do it. Steve Weens on Twitter. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just search Steve Weens author on Facebook, and um, we'll do it that way too. You can always email me to steve at stevewings.com. I'm not always the quickest emailer, but email is better than Facebook messaging me. I will tell you that much right now. Okay, folks. Uh, thanks so much for listening and um, excited to be on the journey with you. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to this good word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash this good word. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook. Uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. 
And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.